All right, welcome to the MXU video podcast, episode number two. Uh, I am joined with my friends, Rusty Anderson and Zach Kimry. What's hey, up, guys? What's up? Uh, I think it's pretty cool that this is episode number two. Um, yeah. I wonder if anybody listened to episode number one, but you know. Hopefully I so. Guess. Did you listen to it? Hopefully. If not, did I listen to it? <laughs> I mean, I listened to it in a lot of different ways. Um, yeah. So if, if they haven't, you should go back and check out ex- episode number one because it really does help create the context for what in the world this MXU video podcast is and why the three of us are here. Um, yeah, we're really excited. All things video, we dive deep, and we are here to learn about stuff that we want to learn about and stuff that everyone else wants to learn about. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of treading water. So, you guys, wh- what's on your mind? I kind of like watching you drown a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could tell. I appreciate it. So, yeah, and uh, if you don't know, I mean, I'm Jeremy Bagwell. Uh, my day job, I work for Ross Video, um, and I love MXU. And then Rusty, if you want to tell who you are, and then Zach, you can tell who you are. Yeah, my name is Rusty Anderson. I live in Atlanta, um, involved with the MXU crew, doing video training and that kind of stuff. And uh, I'm just a freelance video director. Uh, pretty heavily involved at Passion, Passion City Church, um, but then also other things all over the world so yes and uh, I'm Zach Emery I live uh, in Charlotte and uh, I also love diving in and helping out the MXU crew uh, formerly tech- technical director over at Elevation Church and uh, right now just uh, excited about this podcast sweet well we should tell Zach why we're excited Rusty because Zach uh, wasn't on with us when we recorded this interview uh, with your friend Tony, so why don't you just give Zach without giving away too much of the details? Why don't you tell Zach what we're going to learn about today? Yeah, so we had an awesome chance to talk to my friend Tony Reyes. He is a Steadicam owner operator based out of Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, we've gotten the, the chance to work together a few times over the last couple of years. Um, he did Passion Twenty Twenty Two this year, and then a few other events, but. Just a really, well, number one, just a cool dude. He's a fun fun guy to talk to, to hang out with. And he's also a little bit, uh, if you follow him on Instagram, he's a little bit of a of a gear gear nerd, which I kind of like. Like he'll post pictures of his rigs and his Steadicam rigs mm-hmm. and things like that. So I thought he'd be a good person to talk to to kind of get a behind-the-scenes look at uh, what it's like running Steadicam. Um, he does NFL games. He does, you know, national broadcast kind of stuff. Uh, and then also recently was in Beijing for the Olympics, so... Really cool chance to get a kind of yeah behind the scenes look of what what all that is like, um, and not just not just running Steadicam. You don't have to run a Steadicam to get anything out of this conversation. He talks about you know the producers on set and the directors and just cameras and cinematic lenses and all that kind of stuff. So pretty fun conversation. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to listening to this one. Yeah, Zach, how do you feel about cinematic cinematic stuff in uh, sports broadcasts? You yeah, got an opinion about man, that? In sports broadcasts, that seems a little weird. Uh, I don't know. You know, sports broadcast is pretty cut and dry. No special effects, nothing like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know about yeah. cinematic in sports. Yeah, well, it's happening. And uh, I, I asked Tony, like, hey, what is it like, uh, you know, you're the guy operating this camera that you got to run into the end zone but you can't run into the end zone 
while the play's happening. So it was a cool conversation just to jump in and hear how, like, even how directors talk to him on intercom and then how he feels about uh, following, like, tracking focus or having a lack of focus uh, control on his rig while he's on the uh, end zone following a football player around. So it's a, yeah, it's a cool conversation. So my highlight that I think is awesome about Tony is that uh, his story is just cool how the web of of how church world, like there's this collision of network of people and relationships and how we're able to ask conversations and realize like what he's doing for the Olympics is um, his shot is really, really important, but where he got his start and how he uh, worked to where he is, is really freaking cool. Um, and it's a testament to just getting there, work hard and serve and uh, watch how God opens doors. So that's my highlight. That's cool. I think one of the things that's is fun. I don't, don't want to give too much of it away, but I think a lot of times we think about when we watch us watch a sports broadcast or watch something on TV. We have this idea of like it's rehearsed a thousand times and then it's perfect. And getting to understand that some of the stories that Tony tells sounds really similar to Church World. It's just like flying by the seat of your pants a little bit. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of fun. Yep, it's great. Um, all right, so I think. Uh, we're ready to jump in um, and listen and learn, and then, uh, yeah, it'll be fun. So, are we ready to go? Yeah, let's do it. Roll it. All right. Here we go. All right. Well, we're excited about today's content. Rusty, uh, I want you to do the intro because this is your guy. You invited him. So, tell us. Yeah, this is... All right. So, I'm excited for you guys to meet my friend, Tony Reyes. And um, I'm just going to say a tiny little bit, and I'm, I'm not going to try to speak for Tony on his story or what he's doing, but Tony and I have worked together a good bit over the last probably couple of years. And Tony is a, I think I'm saying this right, but he is a Steadicam owner-operator. Um, I, I saw that on his LinkedIn bio, because um, I wasn't quite sure what to call him. But yeah, I know Tony as a Steadicam op, and the best one that I've ever worked with. And we've done a few things, a few corporate gigs together. Um, some fun, like, you know, one shot takes kind of stuff. And then also Tony did passion 2022 this year. So yeah. So Tony, first off, how are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me guys. Yeah. Awesome. Glad that you could be here. And I say glad you could be here. You're actually not here. Where are you right now? So I'm in, uh, Beijing, China, um, at the Olympics and I'm working for, uh, NBC on their primetime show in studio a. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, 9 30 PM here and it's what time by you guys? It's 8 30 AM. So you're like in the future. So we're, <laughs> yes. we're, fil- we're doing this right now on Valentine's this. day. Cause we'd Thanks. be like, how's the day going to be? <laughs> right. How does Valentine's day end? You know what, what? happens today? It's, it's going pretty well, guys. I think you're going to have a good day. That's, that's usually awesome. what I tell people. <laughs> that's funny. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So wait, wait, wait. The your title is what own, I I missed it. Steady cam owner, owner operator operator. Okay. Yeah. Which Great. I mean, you know, as I got into steady cam, I didn't it's like what the heck is that? You know, but yeah. I mean I I I own a couple steady cams and then I also operate the steady cams. There are like I think in larger markets there are um operators that just rent a steady cam, you know, from other operators. So that's maybe why that's in the title. There. Cool. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. 
So you said uh, a bunch of stuff. You're in Beijing working for the Olympics for NBC on Studio A. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of impressive things in my mind. <laughs> yes. But like, so for people that are watching the Olympics, um, help us understand, like, when would they have seen your shots? So um, we did, especially like, um, it's I guess it's called like the prime time show, like the prime time hours on NBC. Uh, and for the initial, I think, like three or four days of the Olympics, like before the opening ceremonies and stuff, we had uh, Mike Tirico as our main host. Uh, so, you know, we would have like an open, you know, it'd be like a steady cam, a nice slow push into him at the desk uh, where he's sort of introducing, oh, we're live here at Beijing. Um, and then he would sort of go into, you know, and, you know, here's uh, figure skating or here's what's going to happen with this Russian figure skater or, you know, and then they would go into right. that story. So in this studio, they, we do a lot of bump ins and bump outs, um, as well as uh, interviews. We've interviewed some athletes, like we did uh, Nathan Chen and Chloe Kim uh, so far. Awesome. Um, yeah. So for me, being like a non-broadcast guy, bump in and bump out is a term most people would not know. Yes. Great question. So educa um, educate us. <laughs> yes. Uh, so a bump in would be like like it's – uh, the top of the show, right? Rusty, like it's the very right. start of the show, you know, it's usually a wide establishing type shot and we bring, you know, the camera closer, whether it's me or a jib, you know, or, or a camera on a tripod, a pedestal, um, a slow push in or a, just approaching the host, just to, I guess, make it more interesting or artistic, um, or creative. Yeah. Yeah. It's that shot. I mean, yeah, if you watch it tonight on the Olympics, you'll see that opening shot where they go wide. It's wide on the studio. Mm -hmm. And then Mike starts talking to whoever the host is. Yeah. And that's an awesome continuous shot. Yes. Um, yeah. So I, you have a prompter on that, I'm assuming, right? Yes. Yeah, I have a 10-inch prompter uh, just above the lens that Mike or like our host recently was Craig Mel Melvin from the Today Show uh, that they read off of. Um, yeah. That's yep. I got so many questions. So how close are you? Like, I guess you got like a wide angle lens so you can get close because yeah. the prompter text can't yeah. be, it can only be a right. 10 inch prompter. is not big, right? You're right. Yeah. Um, I would say it's, it's hard to explain because it's a small studio, but it's not at the same time, especially with a wide, um, ENG lens. Uh, but I start at the back middle of the studio. So maybe I'm 16 feet away from our host roughly and then i get into where okay. i'm about seven to eight feet away from him and i okay. don't want to be too close to where his eye line is obviously looking like it's you know going above the lens as he reads the prompter mm. type thing mm. yeah got it yep. how, how much of that is stuff that you just know or stuff the director i mean is kind of telling you or it's um it's funny because like you know as you work with a new director you have to get used to, I guess, their way of communicating. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, especially like, you know, I'm kind of thrown into this position and, uh, you know, I'm used to more of, you know, a countdown and this guy, this director, he's a very talented director, been doing live television for a long time, but, uh, he's, it's like, okay, you know, something, something and coming to camera 24, you know, start your move 24, and boom, I just see my tally light. It's not really a set like take necessarily right. that I'm more that I'm more used to. So it's I'm that's another thing I'm paying attention to. And especially, you know, the first day or two we were building a rapport or trust. He's 
trusting me or learning to trust me, you know, cause he doesn't know me, but, uh, he's kind of let me just sort of, um, sort of choose like my move or my pace a little more, which I'm sure you're okay, cool. familiar with rusty. Yeah. 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 A lot of my questions are all about like, you have a tally light. So obviously that's really important. And like, yes, you know, yeah. like even your, maybe describe your rig. Like, what are you looking at? What well, do you got going? How heavy is it? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's a good question. Like, um, I would say it's like above 60 pounds or so. Like, but like the arm and vest. Did you say six zero? Six zero. <laughs> wow, it's above, wow. yeah, above, right. It's probably above 60 pounds because the arm and vest account for about 20 or so pounds. And then the sled, especially with all the extra accessories account for that extra 40 or so, give or take, I haven't weighed everything right now, but, um, I have to give you an idea. Um, there's, you know, two batteries on the bottom of the sled, which is one of the components of the Steadicam. There's a larger monitor on the front. Um, each one of the batteries is two pounds. So that's four pounds. The monitor is a little over four pounds. There's a return program monitor that's above that monitor that's, I don't know, a pound and a half or something. Then up at the top of the sled, there's obviously the camera body, then there's the lens, and there's the 10-inch prompter, uh, the volt gimbal, <laughs> um, the zoom controller, uh, and then there's actually even AR on this um, build, which is, I think, augmented reality, <laughs> which is something yeah. something that I'm learning about and using for the first time, and it has been sweet and just fun to play with but um we've only used it a couple times because it, it took us so long uh to get it working and i'm i'm sorry i'm getting sidetracked here um but our our ar guys um pinged positive <laughs> as they're coming in oh no so they had to go into quarantine so it was between our i think main led tech like an engineer one of the utilities that was willing to deal with it and then whoever else over facetime with this guy <laughs> trying to get the AR working. So we finally got it working and it just, it took forever. I'm, I'm impressed you got it working. They got it working. I didn't know we were going to go into AR on this. This yeah. is awesome. So I know. your rig is GPS tracking XYZ space. They've, they've like mapped the room or the yes. studio. Yeah, they had. Um, That's incredible. Like, I guess, I think it's like the carpenters um, and like the set builders, like in there all day with on ladders, putting up these little sticker sensors, which I assume are like a disposable yeah. type thing just all over the freaking studio. And um, then the whole next day and days moving on, it was that small team of guys learning, which they're, they're very intelligent professional people, but that's not their uh, specialty, you know? So they're watching right. YouTube videos. They were on uh, communicating with- wait, 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 wait. Yes. The AR stuff happens yes. because people are watching YouTube videos yes. about how to set it up. Yes, they are learning. <laughs> that's the only. That's the content you only get. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's incredible. I'm, I'm just thinking about like here is a major three yeah. three letter broadcaster yeah. with guys watching yeah. YouTube videos. That's awesome. <laughs> that gives a that gives our audience a lot of hope. It does. Yeah, you know, and um, you know, they were they were doing that. They were commuting communicating with the um. So, like I think it was a company in France that they rented this particular uh, component from. I think the other one was from the UK or something. Then they were also on the phone with the manufacturer, um, which I believe is Red Spy. I could be getting that wrong. Um, but that, like, that's something. Like, I'll go in there and like help them move the Steadicam around or help them calibrate the lens or whatever. Um, but that's something that I was like hands off. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. I didn't get too far into. 
Um, but those guys tackled that and it was, uh, very impressive what they were able to do in a few days, you know, in a lot of hours. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. We'll have to put that on our list of, cause that's the knowledge area I don't have either, but I just know it's a, it's a pretty dark hole, black hole you could dive into real quick. <laughs> it was, it was very neat. Um, and like all of our, so our control room, like we don't have our directors here. They're back in Stanford, Connecticut. So, um, yeah. Oh. Like, so who's in your studio? I don't want to cut in, but no, it's fine. It's, it's talent. Um, you know, the talents sort of, you know, wranglers, hair and makeup, um, a stage manager, some utilities, a techno crane operator, another camera operator. Um, and that's just like in that little studio we're in yeah. also for context, we're in a very large building. It's like a huge convention center. And then they sort of like permanently install all these studios and then they, once we leave, they go away. So, yeah. So like when you walk out of your studio, there's other NBC studios, other, other like countries that have studios there also. Yeah. Like down the hall, there's some, it's like CMG. I think it's, we, we're assuming it's China media group or something. It's, it's maybe their NBC. We don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, there's the CBC Canadians like that are down, you know, and it's, it's like a massive convention center. I don't know what the equivalent yeah. would be in Atlanta. Um, but the equivalent in Nashville would be like the Music City Center. Um, but it's just completely taken over by all these different um, networks. So with their own That's studios really cool. and setups, yeah. And we have, we have an A studio, which is pretty large and it's beautiful. They did a really good job with it. Then we have a B studio, which is like a third the size, and then a C studio that's like more of a green screen. And just uh, like a backdrop type deal, which I don't, I'm not sure if we've even used this e studio yet. We haven't, certainly. Yeah. So who's who's in charge? Like, who 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 do you report to in this scenario? Like, who runs the the thing? So, um, it's uh, we have we have a tech manager that okay. sort of, and then we also have um, somebody else that sort of functions as I guess you would call him a production manager. Uh, and then we actually get really our, our schedule from somebody in Stanford, um, where, which is funny, you know, they were sending us something with times and our times were getting screwed up. So our call times are slightly <laughs> yeah. off, you know, or, you know, we were like, is this our schedule? Is our call time 1 PM? No, our call time is 5 AM, you know? Mm. Uh, so one of those things the next day. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's the tech manager. Uh, Mike Matthews uh, is in charge of us officially. And even, you know, without going into too much detail, um, like quite a few people would ping positive because their um, standards or their protocol, I don't, I don't know how you would say it, like someone in the U.S. that, you know, they're like, oh, they're negative. Well, it's like if they have, if there's any trace whatsoever of, of COVID in your body here, it's like, they're gotcha. quarantining. <laughs> mm. So it's, they, they take it like the way the doctor here explained it is that it's like two or three times the, um, I don't know what you would call it. Like the threshold. Threshold. For... Yes. Sure. Yeah. Of like anywhere really else in the world. Um, so they're just really, really trying to not have any spread or, which is, yeah. which I mean, is it makes good. sense of all those broadcasters in one big convention hall coming I from mean, all over like, the that world. Could be bad. Yeah. yeah right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but so like we don't, 
sorry, but it's, it's kind of funny in one way. It's like some of the crew is not here. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. They had to quarantine. Gotcha. And then at some point, like they're, you know, people are quarantining so long that they're just like, let's just, you go on home and, <laughs> you know, so we're going to promote this guy to this. And, you know, this staff is, you know, down three out of their 12 people type thing. You know, that's kind of how I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So all the all the churches out there who their uh, their teams get decimated every Sunday, yeah. we can all relate. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> this is definitely one of those scenarios. Yeah, that's crazy because here this is like a major major broadcast, and you guys are still almost kind of winging it from a little bit because you got these people coming in and out and testing positive, and yes, yeah. It's does it feel like you're like when you go to air, you're like, oh crap. How's this going to work out? Or are you like, nah, we got it. You've rehearsed it enough. Like you got it figured out. Um, from my end, it's more of like a, um, a testament to like the quality of the personnel that are around me. It's like, it's a lot of people that have just sort of already been there and that are just so used to live television and, and comfortable in that world and that pressure. And that's what excites this group, you know? Um, so it, it's still pretty fluid in a way and maybe even kind of more fun because it's more of a challenge um yeah yeah so yes in a way it is like you know like i'm trying to like put it delicately because you know some people are in positions they're not normally in those positions so Mm -hmm. they're not necessarily some people some people are watching youtube videos yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) so you know you know yeah in in a sense you know we're going live and you know the person that's you know counting things down he's not used to stage managing and we're kind of looking over and you know is this live or are we rehearsing there there have actually been several times now where we've done a take and uh i mean i'll tell you the story it was pretty funny we were we were closing a show and we rehearsed we rehearsed and for me in my mind i just rehearsed like like you're gonna do it you know and by the second third and fourth take like i feel like it's pretty polished but then when i know we are going to do it like you turn it up a little bit and you make it a little smoother and, and just exactly how you want it to be. But we did a take and they were like, all right, guys, thanks. Good night. Um, <laughs> great job today. And I looked up and I said, that's it. And Mike Twinko was like, yeah, that's it. They're going home. You can stay here if you want. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know we were live. You know, I mean, I see a tally is a tally. Um, right, right. And a handful of times where we did a take and I didn't even know we were live. I thought we were still rehearsing. Wow. Interesting. So like the way that it would work. (laughs) So like Tariko's closing line, you may do that four or five times, like back to back to back to back. Yeah. And it's while, you know, I'm watching. While some other segments rolling. Yeah. I'm watching a segment roll and there's monitors all over the place, you know. Um, And I'm like, okay, let's rehearsal. Let's rehearsal. And usually the first and second one are, you know, they're not terrible, but it's not exactly what I'd want. And then the third and fourth, it's like a nice, smooth, beautiful shot. Uh, but yeah, that, that one in particular was slightly embarrassing because That's funny. my knee-jerk reaction was to say that. That's it. Everyone looks at me. He looks at me and says that. And I was like, oh, goodness. Yeah. Did you ever think that you would be sitting in a studio in China where you have a direct conversation with Mike Tirico? That's That's just wild. No, it is it is bizarre, and um, yeah, it's it's bizarre and wild, and like I pinch myself honestly because I'm like, how like I don't know how I end up in these positions all the time, you know? Like it's just 
I, I love my job. I mean, I've told you that many times, Rusty. So yeah, yeah, it's always evident when we get to work together that you do because you have to carry around the sixty-pound rig, <laughs> and you never have a bad attitude. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the I, I there's two things. I, one, we need to, at some point before we finish this call, we need to talk about how you got to where you got to. But let's yeah. don't go there yet. Uh, the sixty-pound thing. So I don't know how a steady cam works at all. So are you really sh- you're you're not shouldering 60 pounds. Your arms are on 60 pounds. Is your whole body like, where's that weight? So, um, so basically like if you're familiar with like, maybe like this might be a good analogy is like a, a really high end, like hiking backpack, mm-hmm. like how you fit it for yourself, like with a waist belt and a chest strap and like the shoulders. And you'd really want that backpack to distribute the weight, you know, between as many parts of your body as possible and where you put the weight, blah, blah, blah. It's similar with, um, a Steadicam vest, like the vests I have that are, are, they're custom fitted for me. So it's supposed to distribute the weight, you know, on my hips, my shoulders and my lower back primarily. So, yeah, it's not like you're, you know, just, you know, holding a 60 pound dumbbell out in front of you with just one Mm -hmm. arm necessarily. It's, it's, uh, it's ideally throughout a lot of your upper body, I guess, and your legs, obviously, and feet and all that stuff. So the rig, this arm that moves, Mm-hmm. transfers weight into your vest and your vest then sits. Yeah. Yeah. I guess ideally the, um, the arm is supposed to take the steps out of, um, walking. Like for instance, you know, even, well, iPhones have great stabilization now, but like if you walk around with an iPhone, um, especially if you go to move quickly, um, you're going to see some steps, you know, no matter how smooth you are. Whereas, uh, the Steadicam arm, you know, if you're, uh, operating it correctly, uh, it will just look like, you know, smooth as butter, just like a camera's floating through space. Yep. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. do you have a good Do you have a good chiropractor? I do. Is that necessary? <laughs> <laughs> I do. By our old house in um in Murfreesboro, uh, I went and saw them right before we came here. So, yeah. Yes. So, Rusty, I'm dominating the conversation. Sorry. No, it's great. So, okay. So, most of folks, I guess probably don't have exposure to a steady cam rig. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have like these gimbal rigs. So yeah. compare and contrast. So the gimbal rig uh, that you can buy. You say gimbal like a Movi. Movi, or... yeah. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So that technology is completely different, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's still a tool to accomplish the same thing. Is that what you would say? Yeah, I would say so. Um I mean, I would look at like a Movi or a Ronin or something like that. Um, it's it's like that to a Steadicam. They're very similar, but in my mind, they're very, very different too. So it's like there's a Movi or a, um, a Ronin, then there's also, you know, a Steadicam. It's, and there's also like a Jib, you know, or a Dolly. Um, so to me, they're, it's pretty different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can get different results out of each one of those. Yeah. Do you, do you ever operate? Any gimbals, Tony? Or is it all, only Steadicam? I only do Steadicam now. Um, and in fact, like, especially, I mean, this was early on um, when the Ronins, like, were coming on the scene. And I know they've gotten much, much better. But, uh, like, part of my, you know, I I did a job and a friend of mine really wanted me to, to run the Ronin. It wasn't, like, a, a crazy high-end job where, they, you know, they wanted Steadicam or whatever. But I went into it, um, but with the mindset of a Steadicam. So I was trying to just sort of run around as if I did have a Steadicam, but... Um, the shots were just, there was a lot, you could see all my steps. Yeah. Right. Um, and, uh, 
And then the other thing is like, we were, you know, we actually was filming Mara Morris, but we were, she was in a car, like a convertible. And I was trying to kind of not sort of jog around the car. So I couldn't put like the, the camera perpendicular to my body, which is what I would just do with the Steadicam, just zip around. So I was kind of, you know, doing that. And then like the other thing that, that bugged me, <laughs> sorry, I'm starting to go on a tangent. No, that's uh, great. No, this is good. Is that like when I am operating Steadicam, I, I, if I want to tilt or, or, um, or pan, I just do it with my left hand. It just happens. Whereas, uh, with that Ronin, I always felt like I was trying to trick it into where I wanted it to be. And then when it would land, it wasn't yeah. exactly where I would want it to land. Um, so that was, those were my main issues with it. Um, from my perspective, like my steady cam mind running around with the Ronin. And the other thing too, is that that was like right when the Ronins came out, you know, and especially like the Movi pro is amazing, you know, with what all you can do with that. Yeah. It's the same thing as, as most any tool, right? Like if you practice at it and get good at it, you can make some great stuff. I oh, mean, yeah. How long have you been doing steady cam? How long did it take you to get good at it? Um, so I'm, I'm at about 10 years now. Um, but what I tell people is it took me about two and a half to three years to feel like I was a competent steady cam operator and to where I felt comfortable pitching myself to directors or DPs or showing up on set and being like, I'm, I'm worth X amount of dollars or, you know, I'm, I'm going to contribute something to this production, you know, production. Um, yeah. Yeah. So a, a decent chunk of time. Um, I, in fact, I, I would say that first, the first year it was, um, you know, me just kind of fumbling through things and making mistakes and, you know, having, you know, fixing gear, broken gear, um, and just sucking and not being good at all, to be completely honest with you. Yeah. How did you get your, st- I mean, where did you start? Like, how did you start learning? Like, what was, what was that environment like? So, um, I think everyone has like a different, uh, a way of becoming a steady cam operator. But uh, for me, it was always just a dream to become a steady cam operator. Uh, it took me a while to even like vocalize something like that. It was nerve wracking even saying something like that. Mm. Um, yeah. How how did you know enough about production to know I wanted to steady cam? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like it's it's very specialized <laughs> it's a specific thing. dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say um, so. Like maybe coming out of school, like it, it just, it was like an idea, you know, something that like my, it was kind of in my mind, you know, the seed was planted. Um, and then I was actually on tour um, with, it was uh, Women of Faith. Uh, and that's actually how I saved up to buy my first old used Steadicam. But that director on that tour was, you know, a friend of mine and we would do you know, steady cam like type moves, you know, it's me with, you know, an old, you know, an old yeah. handheld camera, yeah. you know, not even a wide lens, but he would let me be creative like that, you know, and it was just for iMag and I think it was still standard definition, uh, you know, and it was, it was a good environment to get creative and, and try to do these quote unquote steady cam type moves. I love that. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then actually Another big turning point for me was a, a very like high end Steadicam operator in Nashville named John Perry uh, finally answered an email and and uh, let me uh, come on set and just watch him work and uh, I would say it was actually in the Opry and um, I watched him like walk up some stairs 
go around, I think Vince Gill, like do a full 360, like all one take, and then like back out of that. And then I think they cut off him before he came down the stairs. But it was like, it was amazing. Like that, that I think was the, the moment that I was like, this is it. Like that's, this is what I want to do. I have to figure out a way to do this. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. So you pestered that guy until he let you come. Yes. Then- <laughs> yeah. I sent him an email. Like one of my old professors, he was like, yeah, here's his email. So I emailed him. Then I, you know, it was all crickets. And then he was like, ah, just email him again. He's a busy guy. And he finally replied. And I was very, very thankful that happened. So that's really cool. Yeah. So you said you in school, so you went to school for some, this is a, I get this question all the time when people t- ask like college degrees and all that stuff. And so, yeah. uh, you're, so you went to school for some type of thing like film sure. or production or something like that. Yes. I, um, I went to middle Tennessee state university, MTSU. Okay. Um, I got a degree in television and then a minor in film studies, I think is what it was. And I mean, I'm pretty sure they've changed by then. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I got my degree in. And then obviously like the next, the next question usually is, do you need to go to school <laughs> to do something <laughs> right. like this? Right. And, um, my answer is no, not necessarily. Um, but looking back on like looking back on what I did at MTSU and, and the time I spent there, I wouldn't change that decision. I was very happy. I went yeah. to that school. I felt like I got like a nice, you know, little introduction to television production and, and, film studies that I wouldn't have otherwise, as well as just my general education. Um, it was nice to be exposed to things that I, which I'm sure I would not have, you know, if I was on my own. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. You get to make relationships too and connect dots and all that stuff. Yes. Um, the networking aspect was massive and that's even something that I wasn't aware of, you know, while I was in mm-hmm. school was, uh, you know, what, what is networking, you know, and, right. uh, it's, you know, you get out of school and the first people that hire you usually are, you know, someone that was in school a year or two ahead of you. Oh, you know, hey, let's get this guy, you know, bring him on as a PA, a production assistant. And, um, I mean, that was extremely helpful because it helped to pay my rent. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Well, you mean you don't get to your first job's not steady camming <laughs> or directing? You got to start as a PA? Yeah, I got, a lot, I got people coffee and uh, donuts and I drove directors around. And uh, helped the art department. I built a lot of couches. <laughs> wow. You know, yeah. And now millions of people at night see your opening <laughs> shot yes. on the Olympics. Sometimes, yes. yes. Don't yeah. fall, Tony. Don't fall. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it be Definitely the live not. take or the rehearsal take, either one. <laughs> Hopefully the rehearsal that I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so real quick, um, it's probably like your bedtime over there in Beijing, but you also do some do some NFL stuff, right? Yes. And one of those things that's been super popular among people like us is all you know, this year all the cinematic sideline movies, steady cam shots on the sidelines of the NFL games. And now it's in golf, it's in baseball, it's in everything. Um, have you done any of those types of rigs? Actually, uh, yeah, I did. Um, so the the Kansas City Chiefs Pittsburgh Steelers game on. Uh, the 25th of December. But yeah, that was, that was um, absolutely one of the shallow depth of field, you know, steady cam cameras that I was running around okay. with. Um, it was a Sony FX9. That's correct, right? FX9. Yep. Yes. With, uh, I think it was like a Sigma 
DSLR, DSLR lens and it was like, we kept it at 35 millimeters. I don't remember if it was a fixed lens or if it was like a little zoom lens. Um, and they just had it on, just parked it at 35, parked it at 35 and they had it on autofocus, which yes, the autofocus is amazing. <laughs> okay. But I will not back down from this. We, we need a camera assistant to pull focus on those. And I, I really wish, um, I was, what able, was the F stop? Um, like a four or five, six or something. I don't remember. It was okay. the, the, the depth of field was extremely shallow and someone else was controlling yeah. that for me. So I, I never really knew for sure. Um, but there were several times where like, I would, you know, I guess there's a bump out, you know, and you know, we were going to commercial and one of my assignments or tasks was to get out there and like go around, you know, the quarterback. So I was going around Patrick Mahomes and it was a beautiful shot, but it did not focus on Patrick Mahomes. It focused on the lineman <laughs> in front of him, you know, and the director, mm. you know, focus can we fix the focus on the camera blah 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 and i was just silent um <laughs> it's in my mind i'm like i cannot do anything <laughs> yeah I, I, it's in autofocus yeah, wow and i'm physically it's not possible for me to um, pull focus on this camera and move at the same time so yeah i guess when they supposedly the story is when they went to make that decision on autofocus or whatever it was i don't know if it was some dp or whatever um that owned the camera I think he was showing them like on a nucleus, like what it could do. But I, in my mind, it sounds like, and I hope I'm not getting this wrong and I hope I'm not throwing anyone under the bus, but I, he doesn't sound like he was a full on camera assistant, like a first AC that, you know, that's their bread and butter is pulling focus. So they, um, right. And which don't get me wrong again, the autofocus is amazing, but it doesn't pick the right thing all the time. Right. Yeah. Not when there's a cluster of people together. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you have 18 inches of, yeah. of focus. To- yeah. To find. Yeah, exactly. I'm just curious, like, so you're you're on the sideline and you're kind of watching the game and you're just waiting for someone to tell you in your ear, go now, or you, how um, does that work? So, so like my, my normal NFL experience is doing in-house study cam work for the Titans. So, and it, it was always a dream to work for a network and do, you know, a network game doing, shooting the game. So that, that was my only experience doing that. So that kind of goes back to like developing, you know, trust with the director. So it's like, he doesn't know who I am necessarily. Um, but my role was to, you know, any time a quarterback ran out, you know, like when possession changed, like I had to bring them onto the field. And then obviously um, for touchdowns, I had to zip out there and go around whoever scored. Um, but so it was, it's, I guess to answer your question, sorry, it's a long answer. But uh, it's more of when something happens, you react, and then they take you or don't take you type thing. Okay. Yeah. But you're you're following the you're following. So you're walking the whole field with this rig. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> wow. Well, <laughs> but like, in all honesty, like those the shallow depth of field cameras, like on a normal Steadicam, not a Trinity, but the normal st- uh, Steadicam setup, it's pretty light. Like I would say, it's like the 50 ish type pound range or so. Yeah. That, that's so light. <laughs> well, in the so world, <laughs> it's pretty light. And especially, you know, that kind of weight when it's distributed nicely and, right. you know, yeah, and yeah. you're used to doing it, you know, it's not, it's not too bad. So were have you done touchdown celebration stuff? Have you been in the end zone doing all that? Yeah. Okay. yeah. That seems super fun. 
it's yeah it's a blast and it's very exciting and i used to get to do it with the titans some like when the network would come in and they would take my feed so the deal was okay he can run out on the field for these um but we're gonna get x amount of feeds from the network like that was kind of their deal as i understood it um but that went away especially like as it became more common to have networks with uh steady cams i think it was probably maybe monday night football that did it first or it was one of the bigger you know national type games yeah, yeah. especially now as they all want that yes. sh- shallow up the field shot they all just bring that themselves right yeah exactly how do you know yeah. when to, so you're watching the game and like, have you ever had a moment where you run out or almost run out on the field in the wrong moment? Like that was for me. I'm mean, like, you got to watch the game and know, like, not get out there in the middle of a play. Sort of. Um, okay. But like, and it, it was kind of funny, like before this game, like in the, the camera meeting, um, the director was like, you know, hey, Tony, don't, you know, make sure you know it's a touchdown before you just sprint out there. I guess guys were starting to push the limits. <laughs> That's, that would be my fear is that all of a sudden I make sports Make center. sure you know it's a touchdown. <laughs> so, the refs don't know half the time. <laughs> so so to me, in my mind, like, I mean, I try to get um, like pretty much right behind the goalpost. And then the other thing is they don't want you coming in through the corners because there's handhelds there covering that. You don't want to bust their shot. Um, so you kind of hold that like center zone area. Um, so I would try to just kind of line up with like right in front of like where the quarterback is roughly and then like see where they're rolling out or kind of where the play is going. So you sort of trot along with it. And then as soon as you see it cross the goal line, like I would kind of just go for it. I like, I haven't really ran out there yet where I, where it was clearly the wrong time. So yeah. Never gotten taken out by a player yet. No. Um, like it, when they do, they are celebrating, obviously like they are not thinking about you being there. Um, and I would yeah. say like when I am running out there with them, I stop looking at my monitor, especially when I get close. I mean, I just have my head up and I have like, you know, my left hand on the post and my right hand is sort of out. Like if someone does get close to me, like I mean, had to put my hand on their back and like, as I'm backing up, but that doesn't happen often. And obviously I try not yeah, yeah. to let that happen type thing. Yeah. Are you a Titans fan? Yes. And, uh, it's funny, like that seems like that'd be very hard. Yes, like to shoot a team that you're a fan of, <laughs> especially when they're not doing well. But uh, <laughs> like when I started working for them, I wasn't even much of like a football fan. I didn't really follow football, and um, you know, just being there, you know, over the you know two three years, I noticed I would get home and I was watching Sports Center to see what they would say, and they were they were talking crap about the Titans, and it made me mad. So <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I'm starting to like these guys. You know, this this is my team. Um, yeah. Yeah. Jeremy, Jeremy and I are huge uh, Georgia Bulldog fans. Yes. And I, I feel like if, if I ever worked uh, Georgia anything, I'd be terrible at it because I'd just be so into the game. <laughs> like, I cried at the national championship oh, game. Nice, so I, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, was I messaging you at that? I was messaging some Georgia fans, like, when this year. I was I was excited yeah. for everybody. That was wonderful. Like it was a great game. Yeah, yeah. it was. But <laughs> to answer your question, though, I really hope this director doesn't listen to this. But like, like we were because the Titans have been doing well, you know. Yeah. So you know, me and my utility are, you know, watching the game, watching the game, watching the game, and then I start to hear five. I need you. Five. I need you, Tony. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And I'm like. 
Oh yeah, I'm working. Like snap out of yeah, it. Yeah. Like, I'm a camera. I'm not a fan in this moment. <laughs> yeah, there there have been a couple times this year that uh, we were caught <laughs> watching the game a little too much. That's and not, funny. Not shooting. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So you're about to? Yeah, I guess you're about to go to bed. You have? Uh, are you shooting tomorrow, Tony? We are, but I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to bed right now necessarily. Like I, I came here because the internet's just better. Like at our hotel, it's like hit or miss and it's just a bus ride uh, but now i'm you can cut this part out but i'm probably gonna go to the bar and have some beers with <laughs> some of the crew <laughs> there you go yeah i'll be on the next flight out there you go <laughs> on over with the marco polo <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i think this has been awesome it's been super insightful to like kind of get some behind the scenes of yeah not just steadicam stuff but steadicam stuff but also live broadcasts yeah. sports stuff um yeah mm-hmm. i mean that's Super helpful. So thanks so much for all your all your behind the scenes info and yeah, you're welcome. Honesty, honestly, yeah. What was uh? What's one last uh, thing you'd say to people who uh, maybe are younger, want to get involved in live production? Like what what little nugget of advice would you uh, leave people? You you're you're there. You're at like the pinnacle, right? Like you've been through the grind. So what would you tell people? Um, I would I would say to uh one thing this is very hard but try to be patient um and then another thing is something that is like that i even do to this day is um you know set some goals for yourself um like a short-term goal or a small goal like a medium-sized goal and a large goal uh make the large one just something massive that uh is like almost unattainable medium more attainable small super attainable type thing and I feel like that's a nice way to, you know, sort of climb a ladder and 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 just slowly move up uh, in the production world. That's great. That's great. It's very challenging even for me. So mm. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. All right, Rusty. I'll let you uh, say goodbye. Well, yep. Thanks so much, Tony. Um, we'll all be watching. Uh, the broadcast the next few nights. I guess we have like, have like a week left. Yeah, we well, do. technically, whenever this podcast airs, who knows? But you know what? <laughs> the good thing about video and camera op is, Tony, your footage will be on YouTube somewhere. That's right. And people will be able to find it. Yeah, there you go. And honestly, like, I don't even, like, we're coming in tomorrow, but we're not going to be live. There, uh, Mike's, I think Tariko's going to be back in Stanford. So he took a red eye from LA to Stanford and I don't know what we're doing, but our, our call time is 7 a.m., so we'll be here <laughs> if anything awesome. crazy happens. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, well, thanks so much, and um, yeah, appreciate your time. Yeah. And yeah, let's catch up again soon. Yeah, it was fun chatting, yeah. guys. It was honestly fun chatting with people from home <laughs> for a little while. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, we're here anytime. <laughs> All right. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Tony. See you later. Right. See you guys. Bye. If you've seen or heard anything from MXU, you've probably gathered that we care deeply about helping you create healthy teams. We know that you have a lot on your shoulders, but you don't have to bear it all alone. MXU can come alongside you to help you recruit volunteers and bring them on board in a healthy way. 
With our platforms, you gain back valuable ministry time as we take over the bulk of training from entry level to advanced concepts in audio, video, and lighting. Keeping your team healthy should be a priority at any church, and a healthier team means a healthier you. Start building a healthy team at getmxu.com.